Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to another episode of Cranky Talk, a show for avgeeks and non-avgeeks alike. We continue to tackle everything happening in the aviation world in the time of COVID, because despite what you may have read, we are still in the time of COVID, even though 2020 is over. In fact, things seem to be worse in the U.S. than at any time during the pandemic so far. There is, however, that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. Vaccines are here. Let's get excited, Dave. Woo! That was uh, that was the darkest opening to uh, to a podcast we've had yet. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, man. But I do want to welcome our new listeners by letting them know that that is actually Dave getting excited. That's that's Ooh. about as far as we get. Uh, but Dave, your excitement may be a, a bit premature. The rollout has been, shall we say, messy. We we shall say that, and you can say that. Airlines, however, are playing their part in trying to make it uh, less messy. So we're going to get into what they're doing as part of the effort today. But as usual, before we get into that, I want to thank this week's Cranky Talk sponsor, Turbulence Forecast. Almost every flight experiences turbulence. But did you know you can find out exactly how bumpy your flight will be even before you get on the plane, Dave? Uh, to, to preempt your next question... Uh, no, I do not think they could have predicted just how turbulent 2020 would have been. Way to steal my thunder, Dave. But anyway, everyone else here, visit TurbulenceForecast.com to view turbulence maps for routes everywhere in the world. This free-to-use site provides access to the same maps pilots use, plus helpful explanations on how to interpret them. TurbulenceForecast.com also offers a concierge forecast by email service from the founder of the website. Place your order before your flight and you'll receive a personalized forecast by email that details what turbulence to expect during your entire route. Be sure to join the mailing list at turbulenceforecast.com. Now, vaccines are so complicated in, in so, so many ways. First, there's developing them, which was done in record time, I should add. Yes, long live mRNA. Amen to that. This isn't a science podcast. May we recommend having a listen to the 1A podcast if you want to learn more about mRNA vaccines. Uh, it's a half hour that's worth your time. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, but anyway, developing the vaccine is only part of the process. There's the wide world of manufacturing and distribution to consider, from special glass for the vials to testing and getting approvals from countries all around the world. It's been a speedy but complex route for the vaccine to get into your arm. In the U.S., two vaccines have already received emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration. And this is where we tell the listeners what the difference between emergency use and regular use is, right? Oh, sure. Basically, it means that the vaccine hasn't jumped through all of the hoops, but it's jumped through enough for the FDA to determine that it's safe for humans. The benefit is there considering the current situation, so there's no reason to delay it any longer. It's all about the greater good. The greater good. good. We really got to work on the harmonizing. So right now, we have two of those mRNA vaccines which are approved. There's the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. Pfizer and Moderna are cranking out doses of vaccine and putting them in vials and on pallets. But then they need to get them to all these distribution points around the world. Which is where our friends, the airlines, come into play. You got it. The thing about vaccines is they have to be kept cold. The Pfizer one has to be kept really cold. 
I mean, crazy cold, like negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit cold. What happens at negative uh, 93 degrees? I really don't want to find out. But it is not easy to keep things that cold, as you can imagine. You need some special freezers. Many hospitals have that, and more will have to get them. But you can't just put a freezer on an airplane. In fact, even the Moderna vaccine, which can be in regular freezers, needs special handling during transport. They can't just open the windows on the airplane? Oh, I mean, why didn't they just think of that? (laughs) I mean, when I look on the little screen in flight, it usually looks to be about that cold, right? So, oh, but then there's the problem of uh, taking off and landing. You just can't control outdoor air temperature by opening windows, I guess. No, as if uh, that's the only problem with that plan. So (laughs) what's the solution? Oh, it's a pretty simple one. It's time to turn that airplane into a Halloween party. All right. Even even for me, that's uh, that's pretty lame. But uh, continue. Dry ice. Dry ice is what allows them to transport the vaccine between freezers. In fact, Airlines have used dry ice for years to transport pharmaceuticals. This is just a huge undertaking with one vaccine in particular needing to be kept abnormally cold. Okay, so they just load up the plane with dry ice and fly it off into the sunset. Not quite. The problem is, as we discussed, that they need to keep it at negative 94 degrees. Right, not negative 93 degrees. Exactly. So the dry ice has to be packed in special containers with sensors and tracking and all that kind of stuff to ensure that the temps are kept constant. Airlines use temperature-controlled containers for shipping of a variety of things. It could be milk. Uh, But those containers, they use dry ice to keep things cold. The Pfizer vaccine, though, it needs to be kept so cold that it actually comes in its own container. They call it a soft box that Pfizer put together. Just It's crazy like how much goes into this. All right. Well, that should make it easier, right? Uh, I mean, they can't. They can just uh, load them up into the airplane and fly them out. Well, yeah, it's easier than just dumping a bunch of dry ice in the belly and throwing some vials of vaccine in. But it, it's not that easy. This still requires massive mobilization. The International Air Transport Association, better known to those in the industry as IATA, did the math. If there was one dose for every person in the world, it would fill eight thousand all cargo seven forty sevens. And that sounds like a lot. It is a lot. And remember, Pfizer and Moderna both need two doses. Let's also not forget about the bungled rollout that's causing some doses to be thrown away when they expire. In other words, you need a lot more than that. The good news is that it won't all be flown at once, of course. This is a multi-month effort to move vaccines around. You'll have plenty of cargo airlines flying the vaccine around the world, ranging from airlines you know like UPS and FedEx to airlines you probably don't, like Atlas or Polar. So passenger airlines lose out? Oh, definitely not. They'll be doing the transporting as well. They can do it in the bellies of the airplanes they have flying, and thanks to COVID-19, they have a lot of airplanes with nothing better to do, so they can run special trips just for the vaccine. Even that isn't easy, though. I talked to United to learn more about what the airline's doing. Look at you doing the hard work. I aim to please. Anyway, back in November, when it was clear that it would have a shot at transporting the Pfizer vaccine, United had to put new procedures in place. So it took a subfleet of its regular passenger 777s, big wide bodies, made them available for transporting the vaccine as a cargo-only airplane. Does that mean it pulled all the seats out? Uh, No. 
it didn't actually have to do anything like that. It actually still just uses the belly and keeps the cabin empty. Um, all they had to really do was shift weight around to make sure that it stayed balanced without any passengers. But they also had to get the FAA to allow a change to a policy. United needed to be able to carry a whole lot more dry ice than is normally allowed. In the special Pfizer so-called softbox system they're using to transport the vaccine, each 777 now needs to carry a total of 15,000 pounds of dry ice instead of the 3,000 pounds that was allowed before. That change went into place in November, and they started flying between Chicago and Brussels, two big airports that are near uh, Pfizer's big manufacturing centers. Brussels, perfect. They uh, they should extend this to apply for flights uh, carrying festival goers heading to Tomorrowland. Normally, I just ignore you, but but that actually would sell a lot of tickets with a dry <laughs> ice rave on the airplane. <laughs> All right, so so hold on. Why is there a limit on dry ice on an airplane? Ah, good question. So dry ice is actually an ominously tagged dangerous good. Dun dun dun. So am I, by the way, but we don't need to get into that. Okay. <laughs> That's just... This is, I'm leaving. <laughs> really, dry ice is just frozen carbon dioxide. I said we weren't getting into science, didn't I? Oh, well. So dry ice doesn't melt, but when the temperature warms, it sublimates. In other words, it just turns into a CO2 gas. So they need to make sure there isn't too much CO2 on the airplane so the pilots can um, breathe. That's important. It is. Now, to be safe, United made it clear to pilots that the auxiliary power unit and both air conditioning systems must be functioning on the aircraft as a safety precaution. And they have to be turned on when the engines aren't running and the vaccine is on board. Even just one of the air conditioning systems would be sufficient to ensure there's enough airflow to keep CO2 levels down. But it's better to be safe and having working backup here. And the FAA said, okay, this is all fine. All right. So good plan. How is it all working? Uh, well, it's hard to say. I mean, there hasn't been any kind of federal rollout plan, so it's been chaotic. The vaccine isn't getting out there fast enough, but in some places, vaccines are expiring and being thrown away. You can't blame the transportation network for that, though. The airlines are all ready to go. On that United Chicago Brussels flight, for example, they roll the airplane up to the cargo hangar. It's on its way across the pond within an hour of the vaccine getting delivered to United. Then at the other end, they break down the containers quickly, have the vaccine rolling. They've done several of these flights. They're ready to do plenty more. And they do domestic ones as well where they can carry lesser amounts in the belly of the airplane. And it's not just United. All the airlines are ready to go. It's easy for these airlines to get their acts together, of course. It's not like they have a lot of passengers to occupy their time. Thanks for tuning in to Cranky Talk. We'll be back with more deep dives and helpful tips for these turbulent times. Before we finish up, I want to again thank this week's Cranky Talk sponsor, Turbulence Forecast. Almost every flight you take has turbulence, but wouldn't you like to know how much there will be and when it will happen? Check out TurbulenceForecast.com for worldwide turbulence maps, interpretations, and a concierge forecast by email service. You can receive a personalized turbulence forecast before your flight from the founder of the website. That's TurbulenceForecast.com. And please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars only. Uh, You can write whatever you want in the review, but uh, five stars will help others discover our podcast. 
If you write something especially nice, I might read it out on the show. Who knows? Yay. Don't you want to give them an incentive to do it? (laughs) This is not helping, Dave. (laughs) But if you would like to be a sponsor, let us know. Email Dave directly at dave at crankyconcierge.com.